You are listening to the Savage Fincast Retro, Episode 7, Super Patriot number 1 and number 2. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in its terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast. The podcast that has clack, 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 technology arms. I'm Raven Perez. I'm Jim Purcell. I'm Scott James. Scott James? That's a weird way to pronounce Craig Olson. Uh, Well, it's with a silent Z. Well, I like it. Craig Olson is on a mission with Youngblood and another... He's on a mission for God. I believe that he uploaded his consciousness into a prototype body that was not fully developed, and the lab boys had to rework it. But once we get Craig 2.0 rejiggered, hopefully he'll join us for some future retro fin cast action. For now, you're stuck with my ass. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. It's a somewhat hairy, but defined enough buttock. Not a pair of testes. It's not like a sack of cottage cheese. For Monday night. So, for this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, a very special mini-series. A little off Jim? the beat. Yeah? Real quick. What? If people have never heard what a Savage Fincast Retro is, allow me to just drop it on them real quick. Alright, do it. Yeah. That, that is, you were about to get into the meat and potatoes. All this is, dear listener, is a Savage Fincast Retro. It's a special sort of Savage Fincast where we take a look back at issues from the past. Already published, they are Savage Dragon-centric, Savage Dragon-related spinoffs and miniseries included. And Jim was just about to, I'm going to throw it right back to him, let you know. We're going we to be... Beautiful one today. Yep, we're going to be talking about the ever-classic Super Patriot miniseries. Mm. Uh, right now we're doing issues one and two. Ooh. And we're going to be doing three and four in a later episode. Oh. But, bonus, before we get into the meat and potatoes of, of issue one and two, we got to talk about the context of where we are now in the history of Image Comics. Lay it on us. I love to put this in, in context. So, this series came out around the time the ongoing began but even before that our old pal rob liefeld decided he had a story to tell involving our our super patriot friend in the pages of young blood strike files the first of which the first three episodes contain a basically it's the story of die hard versus super patriot versus super patriot which is funny because in a lot of ways, they're both the, from the same template. They're both Captain America types who have become cyber cyberized in the modern age. 
so just real quick, we should probably just, I should just explain the story from that story because that story informs this story. I lay it on us. So if we remember back in the Savage Dragon miniseries, uh, Super Patriot was revived, was killed, was, sorry, was injured by Mako, had all of his limbs eaten. Correct. Uh, he was taken by, I want to say Cyberdyne, but that's wrong. Cyberdata. Cyberdata, who yep. is the Cyberforce guys, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, gets, gets his cybernetic body. Yep. So in this Strike Files series, he's still in possession of Cyberdata. Die Hard goes in to rescue him because Die Hard and Super Patriot have history as part of what are the team known as the Allies from World War II. Very old, yeah. Yeah, very old team. Uh, in this story, we see a scene from the past where old school Super Patriot, Die Hard, and Glory are fighting uh, the German army. Yeah, Hitler. They fought Nazis. Yes, they fought, did indeed fight Nazis as mm-hmm. a flashback. But basically, that's the story of Die Hard saying, this guy's my friend. Well, actually, I got this slightly wrong. Glory comes to Youngblood and asks for Die Hard's help to find Super Patriot because... They're all friends. It's a little weird because in that story, it implies the the modern diehard isn't the the goal isn't the World War Two diehard. But I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's not true. So that may be a young blood plot point that I haven't ever read. Right. But anyway, diehard goes to rescue Super Patriot from Cyberdata. They have a fight because, of course, as Super Patriot is always getting mind controlled, mind fucked. <laughs> they have a fight. Die Hard wins. He takes him back to Young Blood HQ, and that's where the uh, Super Patriot miniseries picks up from. Right, Young Blood uh, is a government team, so at this point, he's in government control, right. like U- U.S. government. Right. Now, the hilarious thing about this Strike File series is pretty good. You know, it's all drawn by Liefeld, so if you're into that, it looks pretty good, I guess. But the funniest thing is in the first issue when we're doing the flashback back to World War II, for mm-hmm. some reason, Liefeld thought Super Patriot could fly. Right. Because right. he's flying all over the place, punching Nazis <laughs> while flying. Now, to be fair, I'm just going to, you know, be devil's advocate here. Um, you know, obviously, of course, you know, research, conversation. I mean, conversation. Like, it, sure, it, yeah, I get it. It's a gaffe that shouldn't happen. But, you know, uh, it fits his aesthetic. He's he's got that Superman kind well, of superhero look it, it, at this point. It was early days image. Not everything was clearly defined. Right, right, right. And um, I think yes, I think Liefeld may have picked up on the super part of his name and made him a, a tactical error. Yeah. Now on the uh, Savage Dragon, Eric Larson fan group, a uh, friend of the show. Hold on, hold on. Matt Hickman. Matt Hickman wrote in and said. That yes, that was a snafu, and either Rob or and says either Rob or Eric explained in one of the letter pages that he just messed up. But for canon's sake, they came up with a a serum that Super Patriot had taken during the time to give him the power of flight. <laughs> but it made him uh, ill, or it made him crazy. Messed with his insides. Didn't like yeah. that, that, Which, that damn that damn magic serum. It makes sense. To, I, th- I think like what's funny is okay. So if you're gonna fuck up. Comics, what's funny is comics is just a dash of improv. And that as a fix for that fuck up is pretty good. Because if you think about it, like, uh, Super Patriot is a super soldier. 
basically. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that if there was something he could take to fly, he probably would. But then they're like, oh, yeah, but it also, too, you know, well, why doesn't he take it all the time? Oh, well, you know, it fucks with his inside, so he doesn't like it, and he quit taking it. He flies He flies with the power of farts. <laughs> Just when I thought we were going to get that high-class air about us and get those big sponsorship dollars. <laughs> you know what I, I i'm just glad it was you jim and not me because you know <laughs> you blowing fart noises is a hell of a lot better than me doing it fart noises <laughs> moving along it would appear that uh was that the end was that the end of that was the, the end of the strike files basically yes <laughs> Well, thank you for doing that research, because I actually do think um, that is a nice little extra piece of info to have, since it's, you know, referenced directly in this thing. That was continuity that mattered. Um, And I also do think that uh, it's really cool when you look back at these old image books, the uh, play and the connectivity of the shared universe, the shared sandbox, Um, you know, here we have Die Hard and Super Patriot directly connected you know much in the way that like chapel and spawn were directly connected and i don't know it's neat it's not a thing i have to have but it's a thing that i do like about old image i thought i thought that shared universe was pretty cool so yeah i like it it's neat yeah and it does seem like there was more of it back in the early days which makes sense because they were way more into it then and there were fewer people to keep track of yeah, less moving parts, like less of a logistical nightmare. Well, I always found it interesting in how they uh, did the other characters, like how the other creators uh, had their interpretation of how Young Blood looked, or how uh, Super Patriot looked, or how you know. Uh, any but any of the uh, subsequent characters in the image universe looked or how how they uh, played a part, you know, and I think it really shows in this uh, Super Patriot mini, especially Dave, the way that Young Bloods used. D- Dave Johnson makes Shaft look cool, uh, way cool. <laughs> I, I'm looking at Shaft with his arms crossed in that first issue, going, "Yeah, dude, I." I Way cooler than than anything, you know, uh, and, and a leader. I, I got that more out of this than I did out of the young blood that Larson, or not Larson, that uh, Liefeld did. So I, I got more of a government feel off of this, what Giffen wrote, than what actually the creator had done. Um and I just like that how it blended. So uh, you know, I, I this was actually uh, a series that I totally picked up, art wise and story wise. I think this is uh, if we do just take two seconds to talk about like this series. Uh, I think just in a whole, like as a whole, is fondly remembered by everyone. I think yes. Like, I just think, if you were honestly talking about Savage Dragon spinoffs, I mean, 
God damn, this is the creme de la creme. I've always said Super Patriot would is probably the most viable spinoff character of Savage Dragon. 100%. I would he's, agree. He's interesting. He has a unique visual. He has a crazy past unlike any other comic character I can think of. Well, he has, to be fair, he has the Captain America past. But what's interesting is it takes the, that archetype and twists it around by making him a, a hyper-liberal, by making him a cyborg, a man... He, he does the... It takes the man-out-of-time concept and, like, does a 180 on it. And I think that's what makes Super Patriot super interesting. I see what you did there. <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think he's got a killer logo, too. A yeah, killer logo, good. an iconic look. I mean... Good lord, dude. Yeah, so Super Patriot's a total package. Um, with this series, I mean, my god, you have uh, an all-star creative team. Yeah, we should talk you... about who, who made this book. Oh, good lord. It's Yeah, it's like you got Larson doing creating and scripting, Keith Giffen doing plotting and storytelling, Dave Johnson, pencil and inks. Jo- uh, Johnson just killed it throughout absolutely. the whole thing total fucking monster um chris eliopoulos on lettering and again you would just be like oh on lettering but like absolutely critical in this series yeah we see a lot of those classic eliopoulos sound effects in this series yes dude yes like still look good and like like i visually associate them with savage dragon to this day like you know the the firing like you know Click well, they fire. still they still hold their own. If you put those those sound effects in any other book, it, they would still hold. You know, uh, it, it this is almost like a time capsule, uh, just on art, story, and lettering alone. Uh, you know, coloring is very dated, but man, the I'll rest even of go it. To bat. I'll even go to bat for this coloring. So here's the thing. <clears throat> I get it. You know, you got a lot of early image stuff going on. Digital chameleon, right? Color separating. They're still referring to it as color separating and stuff. That's some early ass digital coloring. However, there are parts that I get it. There's weird. There's some weird color holds. We'll talk about it when it gets to it. You know, we'll talk about like stuff that just really is a home run and stuff that really falls apart. But I'm going to go ahead and say this. There's some really crummy comic coloring, like these days. Like, there's a huge push. Oh, not a huge push. I'm not going to act like that. I'm just saying there's a lot of colorists. <laughs> there's a lot of colorists these days that uh, are afraid to dip into a vibrant palette. And I'm going to say that as you flip through this book, you know. Really? I kind of have the opposite. I think people use too much color these days. That it, like, buries the line art half the time. Well, I don't mean overwhelming. I don't mean overwhelming. You're talking vibrance because you've I'm got your vibrance. hot. You, you've got your your neon green and you got your hot pink. Neon green, hot pink. Yes, dude. That's yeah. the vibrance. that's what you're talking about. It, yeah. it, it it's retina burning, vibrant kind of hot. Right. Yeah, I get that. That that's the total. When Shaft first shows up here, like there's a scene where like Shaft's like pink. I'm just saying, like. Like, the coloring is experimental as hell, and I love it. I think that 
yeah, you could say, okay, it's garish or whatever, but I'll take garish over boring. Wait, well, Shaft is pink to you? Mm. Issue one, if you flip ahead, there's a scene where, like, you know, he's floating in a virtual simulation, and there's pink light everywhere. Anti-grav on at the top of the page. Uh, in issue one? Issue yeah, one? Issue, issue one, it's opposite of the spread where Dragon's punching Super Patriot. So oh, you're down in. further in. I, further okay, in. I'm, I'm, I'm like only a few pages in. Okay, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. So, Sorry, uh, we're getting real broad strokes here, and I'm referring to something specific. So, but, Well, but I mean, to, yeah, the pink lighting means, yeah, his red's going to read more pink in the room. Well, I'm just saying, You, you just don't care for it? You don't think it works? No, I'm supporting it, dude. I'm saying oh. this... As date as like I don't this doesn't read to me as dated. To me, there are mistakes. Like I said, I'll, I'll gladly talk to you. There's a there's some color holds later on that do not work at well, all. Let's talk about the cover real quick. What do you guys think about the coloring on the cover? Because I think there's some stuff going on here that's a little bit. Uh... I think the coloring on the co- I think one. All right. The cover is brilliant. I think the composition oh, yeah. is great. Everything yeah. linear, uh, layout-wise. Johnson, I, I have... I'm sorry. The dude is brilliant on this. Um, he likes putting canisters uh, on things. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Canisters have canisters. But it, the the colors are way too hot for me. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at the mud on those boots. It just They don't... It looks so, like it wasn't even supposed to be there. The thing about the mud on the boots is I'll agree that the mud on the boots is weak. Uh, you can literally tell that like the person didn't mess with the brush size too much. It's almost the same brush stroke. But you got to remember this is 1993. Well, and that's it. You know, and that's this where is cutting I, edge. Is this digital coloring? Is this this, this is, is digital. This is digital. This, this is, is like digital, the beginning yeah. of digital and that's yeah. where I forgive it because Raven's right. It, it, it's an experiment right now. Yeah. They're they're playing with what can we do digital wise? How, how can we get brush? You know, you guys talk about how I do textures or how mm-hmm. uh, Nikos does textures. This was the the forefront. This was it. Really was. This is them cutting edge. Going, hey, what can we do to make it more real or give this texture? They didn't have the brushes that I have. No, they do that, not. That's they, just, I'm glad you they, said they that. They had Dodge and Burn. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah, dude. That's Airbrush it. And, and pencil. That's what they had. So, so for them, this was an experiment. They were playing going, okay, this is kind of the effect I want to do. How do I do that? Let me try this. And you know what? I don't fault them for that. You won't hear me. Am I wild about the coloring? No. Are there issues? You're not going to hear me bitch about the coloring. The art is phenomenal on this. Yes, I think if it was colored today, it would it would blow this out of the water. I think it'd be more boring. I'm just going to say I think it'd be less experimental with the palette. Less experimental with the palette, yes. But I'm saying if they revisited it and, you know... I, <clears throat> The, no, the, I, the art, I, I the, completely the, understand what you're saying. The art itself, I mean, uh, Johnson's... And I make uh, fun of it because I love it, by the way. Right, right, right. I'm, yeah, not, I'm, I'm not being critical to be mean. 
Oh yeah, please if understand. Look, I'm not like this cannot be judged. Like I'm just there's saying, things I'm just this, no, this, no. this this is the kind of stuff that makes it part of its era, and I find that charming. Right. I mean, yeah, if yeah. you look at some of the the squiggle lines that are on the the metal that they've colored in orange, where it looks like veins, and then they've got yellow right. on one side, right. blue on the other. That's not the way it was meant to be colored. But they were sure. trying to figure all that shit out. Right. And, you know, I don't fault them for that. I, I thought it was brilliant how Dave Johnson was going in and adding textures to shit um, in his it, pen and inks uh, that gave a different feel that you had never seen before. I got to imagine, like... Or well, I don't even have to imagine. I remember buying this when this was new. I didn't get the whole thing. I got issue one and issue two, and that's all I got. I never finished this when I was young. But like when I saw this fucking comic when I was a kid, this blew my goddamn balls off. I'm just saying the visuals. It looked head. It's hard to describe. I know it's going to sound stupid, but it was like the leap in quality between fucking Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Like, it, here was a visual increase in fidelity that was immediately apparent. You could immediately see that the coloring on this comic was unquestionably superior to what was happening at fucking Marvel and DC. Exactly. And that, now, Raven, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. As an artist, you looked at Dave Johnson's work and you wanted that to be you. You wanted to oh, be yeah, that dude. guy. You wanted All those that, tubes. <laughs> you wanted that guy. You wanted to be that guy that went into Larson's sandbox, and Larson goes, "Hey, here you go, play." And boom! All of a sudden, your career is skyrocketing. I mean, that's what happened with Dave. You know, I saw him on this. The next thing I knew, I saw his shit everywhere. Yeah, uh, in the major companies. Well, and you know, we've talked about it. We've oh, talked ahead. about it before. Sorry about. Sorry to interrupt. Like that's all right. Bookmark. But like we've talked about it before. But like the industry reads this book, and in many ways, if you sing on Savage Dragon, like your your shit's gonna pulse throughout the industry. And absolutely, Dave Johnson blew the fuck up off of this book for sure. Oh. Yeah, and and that's what I hoped to have happen. Did it happen? No, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what I hoped to happen. Uh, you know, but, well, become Dave Johnson, goddammit. it! Just yeah, do exactly. It. If I could, how be hard like, could it like be, Dave? If I could be like Dave, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, is that you look at it and it's like, bam, he hit that fucker out of the park like nobody's business. I mean, there was no skin left on that ball after this miniseries until the next miniseries that he did. Until the next one, yes. And then you didn't think he could top it. But this, you look at it, with all the the faults that we we call faults in hindsight, but in, in retrospect, those eyes that were looking at it are... Now eyes that are are further advanced, the 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 optics back then, this was 
it. This was brilliance. Yeah. As a kid, uh, I could not stop reading this shit. I read this issue over and over and over, just soaking in all those little details. Um, I, re- I remember when I read it for the first time six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember. I, I remember. I, I found it in a bin. Mm-hmm. Here's Four Jim. American dollars. Jim going, I remember my first beer. <laughs> yeah, I was 23. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you. I am interested in this opinion, and I think it has validity and weight. Share us uh, your initial impressions of your first experience of this. Because obviously for me, there's a hefty dose of nostalgia, but to me it also holds the fuck up. But I'd like, I'd love to hear what you thought of it. Um, there's two main things. One, people have talked this series up like crazy. Here's the thing. Okay. Let me just give you a real quick rundown of my Super Patriot experience. I read mm-hmm. America's Fighting Force when it was new because I was a Kirkman fan. It was one of it was coming out the same time I was getting into Savage Dragon. I get it. Okay. So that was my gateway to Super Patriot being a cool ass character. Sure. So I read that, and then they reprinted the Liberty and Justice trade. So I got that and read that. So I got that Dave Johnson experience. You saw okay. it in reverse. And yeah. then I read the next one that came out. That's name is escaping me. War and Terror, I think. Which, remember, okay. had a super delay, like on the last issue, it took forever to come out. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I've only just read this first series in the last six months. But here's the thing about this this series. It looks great. I love it. I'm reading this series kind of looking for... What am I trying to say here? I appreciate this series for its Keith Giffen-isms. There's a lot of Keith Giffen in this book, and we're going to get into that, I think, when we talk about some of the other things that went on this issue. Sure. But because, you know, I've read a lot of, I've read a lot more Keith Giffen before I read this series. So anyway, Mm -hmm. what am I trying to say here? One last thing to say. I, your your impressions, my impressions are, Oh yeah. While this is a visually great series and it is a Mm -hmm. classic super Patriot is almost a secondary character in his own story. Oh, absolutely. He barely oh. talks until the very like last five pages of issue four. Listen, story wise, the Kirkman book tops it. Yes. But that's what I that's what I'm getting at, is that the yeah. previous the series that I had read previously were much more about Johnny. Sure. And this yeah. series is not. Or at least this... it's not Except for, you know, all the stuff with the, the flashbacks and him getting control of his life. It's you really know what? more I of a th- diehard story in some well, ways. Well, this is, I, I think, more of a uh, story of the the whole technical aspect of how he became what he is. Right. A- and, the, and, and less of him as a actual person where yeah. you get that more from Kirkman's story than this story. This is more explaining uh, the the whole cyber aspect of it and the well, the, 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 tech, the techno talk. And I think it has a lot to do because Cyberforce was killing it at this time. And I think this was that in with what was going on with Cyberforce. You ready for some... Uh highfalutin horse shit have at it well get ready because here's my blistering hot take on this 1993 diamond (laughs) i i don't think that this is a diehard story when i read it here fresh because see the thing is as i told you i only got halfway through as a kid i forgot issue two 
I'm not even going to lie. I forgot issue two. Issue one is f- forever burned in my memory because I re- must have read it a million times. I literally forgot issue two, though. So I only just finished this series. I bought these, Jim, I think at Terrificon. Could have, yeah. I think I did. Maybe I didn't, but I bought them recently. I only just read this this year. You ready for my adult take on this series? I don't think it's not about Super Patriot at all. I think this is Frankenstein's monster from starring Frankenstein, except he gets to find his humanity at the end instead of getting destroyed. I think it's a great fucking take on just what Scott said, technology, cyberpunk, man versus machine, all those well-traveled paths. But I think it's a really awesome Frankenstein because all time he's de- like you said, he doesn't talk. He's dehumanized left and right by everyone except his fucking friends. And that's ultimately his human bonds that he made are ultimately what save him. And I'm just saying to me, this reads like some kind of modern Frankenstein. Yeah, that makes sense. Where Frankenstein was built to be a weapon. I love it, dude. I loved this. I never read the ending till fucking... You know, this year, like just now, for this show. And I loved how it ended. I was like, oh, this is good. I like this. I That's my... There you go, folks. There's my highfalutin horse shit on it. Well, we should probably get into some specifics about issue one. Right. Where it, <laughs> it opens up with introducing us to the uh, atrocities of the Covenant of the Sword. Who, mm-hmm. I imagine this is the first appearance of the Covenant of the Sword. Yes, they are treated like an unknown commodity. Yeah, they're a secret organization that has caught the U.S. government completely flat-footed. Yep, no one's ever heard of them before in any way. And they they made a big splash with putting a bunch of people on... Uh, Klansmen, which I find weird. Well, I, don't, Covenant, I don't understand. Covenant of the Sword is one of those we're trying to make the world better through violence oh. sort of organizations. Okay, makes sense. Got yeah. it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so th- it's about, you know, it's... On paper, they're good guys, but in practice, they're mass murderers. Sure, sure. Who don't? Who, who only care about their their objectives? Let me just take two seconds to praise uh, Johnson's double page spread here. Oh um, yeah, like the the work on the pin work on like the smoke and like the detective's jacket and stuff. Yep. Oh God, it's so good, and uh, it's funny to see even way back seventeen years ago. Um, that thing where he does choppy inks on the uh, like and the that's wax. what I'm talking about with the the texture the texture still does that I, he so does good. that even greater today than he did yep. you you can see the beginnings of that in this and when you say so choppy good. blacks you mean like those spots where the blue poke through yeah and the detective's yeah. jacket yeah yep that is something he still yes. does that's that's great I just love that big fucking thick detective yep it's so a very good. large shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, it, it's just a great, great layout on the top of mm-hmm. that page. It really is. And it, the, between the smoke, the fire, just the the sense of scale as you mm-hmm. move away from that that top detective who we've seen in Dragon, mm-hmm. um, and that more oh, of a fed guy. We? Tell me a little bit more about that. Have we? I thought he was a Youngblood character. Who is that guy? We've seen him in Dragon. Haven't we seen him in Dragon when he's talking to to Super Patriot 
basically when he's trying to get him to run the uh, SOS. Oh, hmm. oh, okay, that would make sense because he's he's like Youngblood's liaison. Yeah, he's and, a government and, and, guy. And, and SOS yeah. was the Youngblood replacement, so it makes sense that he would be the guy. He went to, if I remember correctly, he's the one who asked Johnny and he and Super Patriot, and he's like, no, and uh, that that's we've seen that 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 tattered office that he's okay. in. Cool. Uh, 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 I could be wrong, but I... Uh, well, I believe looking, me, we'll hear I, it if you I'm are. I'm working on verifying <laughs> this info now. Okay. Well, I'll buy you time, Jim. Um, the Do we remember art... what his name is? Jake Farrell? Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it him? I think it is Jake. And I, only... That's the yes, craziest thing all right. in all four issues. I swear to you, they only say his name once. And just his first name. I swear I don't think they say his full name the whole time. All right, so here are the facts. Lay it this, on his... this is his first appearance. Oh. And his next appearance is issue 40, where SOS is founded. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Validating. And he does appear in most... He appears in Liberty and Justice and also War on Terror. Okay. Uh, and strangely enough, Mars Attacks Image. Oh, probably because of young, his Youngblood young connection. Blood. And that's where Youngblood dies, so that makes sense. Hmm. Uh, he's also in a bunch of issues of Freak Force. So he's not in a lot. And according to this, he's still alive. So, Gavin, get on that. <laughs> Gavin, this guy's got to be old as shit by now. Time to kill him. Wouldn't it be funny if he still was like had gigantic fucking shoulders, you know? But anyway, oh, Johnny so, will forgive me one day. You know? So, so, so yeah, he's a he's a super patriot supporting character more so than anything else. I guess. I guess. I, well, there's no data here on young blood appearances. So, well, good on a, you. Scott. Although, it does say he was in Blood Strike number eight. So I don't know. I don't know. Good on you. Um, I just wanted to drop some props on. Uh, so the transition to keep it sort of transitional. We're not doing page by page on this. So this is retro. We're just sort of doing the feels, right? Yep. Okay. So I love the coloring on this whole like uh, KKK burning scene. It's absolutely beautiful to me. It's still beautiful. Um, the clouds above the Pentagon very Giffen esque. Very trencher. Tell me I'm wrong. Above, trencher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see what you're saying there. But we should, we, should, we should talk about Keith Giffen's role in this book. I'll lay it on us. So here's the thing. Keith Giffen, when he, generally speaking, when he's credited as, uh, what was it, plotter and story? Storyteller, yep. Storyteller. That usually means he did layouts for the yep. entire book. Yeah. And whether or not the artist you know was uh, slavish to him or did his own thing... But generally speaking, Keith Giffen does the layouts, and then everyone else just kind of works around that. Sure, that's how he. That's how he. That's how Keith Giffen usually does his plots. Is yeah, he in, does in art form. Well, uh, I worked as Ron Wagner's assistant uh, back when Ron Wagner did uh, Book of Fate, uh, yeah. and Keith Giffen wrote that, and that's how he he would send Ron his his sketches. And then Ron would look at his sketch layouts of what he wanted to do, what what Keith wanted to do story wise, mm-hmm. and then Ron would do whatever he wanted to do, changing it or, <laughs> you know, oh no, this is perfect. The the, the panel to panel is 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 great. Or he'd be like, you know what? No, I want to change it to this or add this bit of business or that bit of business. So. 
uh, it was kind of cool at, at that stage of what I was doing back in the early 90s, uh, early mid-90s, probably, no, mid-90s, uh, seeing what, uh, you know, uh, an artist, I had never seen that before. I, mm-hmm. And for me, that was like totally mind blowing. That oh, let me ask you. Yeah, if if, if you saw any of them, does he? Because uh, you can lay out, you can do layouts like that baseball card size, like thumbs, which is what a lot of guys do. Does he work baseball card size, or does he work full size with these uh, light these plots, these visual plots? From what I remember, he he did like a basically it was a comic book page. So full size? No, it wasn't full size, but it was like reduced down. Oh, the six ten, the six by ten, the finished comic size. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And and back then it was faxed, so it had to be something that was faxed. Sure. So that's what got me uh, interested when I uh, sent Jason Howard when I was doing, starting to do writing and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me. I, I I was like, well, uh, shit, Keith Giffen's writing and he, he's doing layouts. He's telling the artist kind of this is what he's envisioning. So that's that's what got me interested <clears throat> in, in trying to write that way. So when I sent Jason Howard layouts for mm-hmm. Juice Man, I would be like, okay, this is what I, for the Dutch backup, I was like, oh, it was total Keith Keith Giffen style, mm-hmm. and I had, and it was all because of what I saw uh, with Book of Fate that hmm. Ron Wagner was getting from him, and cool. how Ron was changing that into full pencil pages. So, uh, I for me that was like a total learning experience. I had never seen that before. You know, it it's had its always own been sort of. Marvel method in a way, but it's it's a weird. It's not Marvel. It's not a Marvel method. It's not a DC method. It's a Keith Giffen method. Yeah, yeah, it a lot. That's the only way that Giffen does it. And I think Eric does it that way too, right? I mean, he does a lot of that sort of loose pencil stuff as a guideline. Um, I uh, yes and no. Um, I've always gotten from Eric a really Marvel method type style writing. Yeah, when you're working with collaborators, he'll send you like text plot. Yes, oh. but if he does not like or if 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 you're if what you're visualizing and doing it doesn't match what he's seeing, he'll go, Well, no, this is kind of what I was seeing and he'll send you a little thumbnail sketch. And it, I mean it's really loose. And it's enough to go, oh, okay, this is the camera angle that you want. Or oh, this is what you're what you're envisioning. It's just like I mean, really loose sketch. Um, I've had that happen, you know, just on like one or two occasions, and it's like okay, yeah, I'm I'm overthinking it, or I'm I'm pulling too close in where he wants me to do more of an establishing shot, or sure. um, I, I've seen it with the the cover that I did with Gavin, uh, with brute force, mm-hmm. that that back cover. Um, he Eric goes well. You know what? I I like it, but 
<laughs> the proverbial but. I like it, but you know what? If you did this, I think it would be mm-hmm. stronger. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I get that. And then I, I, I penciled it and sent it to him, and he would ink it. Um, it it's, that's the only time I've seen Eric do that kind of Giffen type thing. Now, fr- with Francesco, I, or yeah, with the She-Dragon, I know that Eric did more of a, oh, Giffen kind of-esque, this is kind of the story I want to tell, here's the layouts. I know he did that on Supreme as well. So, yeah. Yeah, he did layouts on Supreme. So it's like a method he can do, but he does very often also for himself. So basically, like, he can create pages a variety of ways. Like yeah. Like, he can do the Marvel method with a collaborator where he's right. just sending you, like, nothing but, like, just, okay, on this page there's a fight. And on this page people are sitting down at a table. And on this page, you know, they're being a little flirty, but... You know, she gets up and she look more of a and, more of a paragraph in each sentence is a panel. Right. Um, but he can also just for himself, like bang out like you know sketching, you know, just sketch a and then he just fills in the dialogue later, and then the which is kind of like, but also too apparently we've seen him do the third thing where he does the Giffen thing, where he's sort of he knows what he wants basically, so he's just sending you layouts. And then you, as the artist, execute the layout. Now, so. now, early on, I I asked him uh, with one of the backups uh, that I did. Uh, it was right after Francesco's She Dragon, and I I asked him, I go, "Are you going to lay this out? It, I, wh- what am I what am I going to expect? Are you going to lay this out, or is it going to be kind of Marvel method? What am I to expect?" And I think he was burnt out at that time of doing the, or at least that's the impression I got, that he was burnt out with doing layouts. And he said, you know, uh, no, this is what you're going to get. You know, and that was, I think, my first backup with uh, Alex. Uh, yeah. so, uh, he goes, yeah, no, I'm not going to lay it out. You, you, you've got the first, uh, pinup, the pinup that you did will be the splash page and, uh, the rest will be, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll give you some, some verbiage Marvel method and you go from there. So, mm-hmm. uh, Again, every time has been a learning experience. And then when Eric goes, you know what? That's not cutting it. This is what I'm thinking. Like uh, the one that I did with Alex and uh, Battle Girl and Butt Ugly. I-, I wasn't hitting that splash page the way he wanted it. I-, I-, I was shooting over Alex's shoulder holding the gun. And he wanted it more of, you saw her full figure kind of like knees buckled in kind of distraught and he sent me a a really really loose sketch and i was like okay got it not a problem but the rest of the story he didn't lay out you know uh so it i like i said i've seen him do it a multitude of ways but that keith giffen everybody calls it keith giffen writing because 
Mm-hmm. That's how Keith Giffen writes. Every time. Let me, um, let me drag this back to that page. Because there's a lot of going on in this page that I wanted to say. Because I think there's some really cool shit. Just in this one single page. Pentagon, U.S. soldiers at the door. Big picture of that technology just spilling out of the ceiling. All right. You know the page I'm looking at? Mm-hmm. Yep. So what I was saying is at the top you got the clouds. Very Trencher-esque. Loving it. You got the soldiers standing at the door. And uh, here's a little tidbit that I uh, sort of bumbled across. Listen, Speculation Town USA, okay? Mere speculation. I'm simply throwing out a hypothesis. So take this with a grain of salt the size of the Rock of Gibraltar. But, so take a look at these soldiers. The U.S. soldiers there. Jim, I want you to say... Just if you had to compare this to any kind of uh, oh geez manga, yeah. What's this? What's this evocative of? Apple seed. Boom, baby! Headshot, first time, nailed it. Check it out, dude. Apple seed was published in English by Eclipse Comics in 1992. From 1988 to 1992, and. This book comes out later in 93. I'm just saying, you got basically what amounts to four years of Appleseed influence on U.S. soil. Now, this is exciting to me because I never would have in a million years made that connection until I started thinking. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, you know, it'd be good to bring to the FinCast. I was like, this is very, like trying to nail down this tech, this tech look that we all love. Because let's be a straight shooter here. Before Super Patriot, before this series... It's famously known that, you know, Super Patriot had the tube gun arms, right? I mean, that's right, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, oh yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, his arms would just turn into tube guns. Yeah. And then after this series, even Eric changed the way he drew the guns. So it's kind of cool because there's kind of this weird sort of Masamune Shiro yep. apple seed influence via Dave Johnson. I'm not saying that's official, folks. I'm just saying the timing's impeccable. That's all. You look at those soldiers. You look at uh, Tech in Appleseed. You look at Masamune Shiro. Dude, it's really... Jim, Jim nailed it right off the bat. At the same time, I'm not saying anything bad because I think it's a brilliant marriage of U.S. comics and that hyper-scritchy-scratchy, detailed, like, cyberpunk... Of Masamune Shiro. Because look at those guns those dudes are holding. I'm not that, saying it's manga. But I'm saying I'm just, it's manga. Yeah. Well also too though. It's very much an early image 90's huge super cannon. Yeah. But manga out. You know what I'm saying? And then the last thing. And I'll shut up. But it just this page blew me away with all these re- revelations. Like just all at once. And I think this page is a beautiful marriage of all these influences. Like you got the Keith Giffen, like you know, the, even the clouds look like something out of Trencher. You got the apple seed guards. You got all this tech. As I was just saying, it really dawned on me. It really occurred what, uh, how influential, like what an impact. Because even in Invincible, having a sub basement full of technology and spooky things under the Pentagon, yeah, is considered canon. I just think that's beautiful, dude. 
I Park, just parking think in rear. Parking in rear. I just think it's beautiful. I just wanted to say that it blew me away. I was just as I was reading this, I was just like, "Oh, dude, yes." So I'll shut up. I'll let you. I'll let us get back to what we were saying. Well, well let's get through issue one real quick. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So basically, <laughs> Super Patriot's being held route. in the sub basement. They're trying right. to like deprogram him from Cyberdata's corruption. Right. Uh, Shaft is kind of pissed about it because they're being super secretive about it. Yep. And they're highly implying that they're trying to turn Super Patriot into a weapon of their own because they believe oh, yeah. Johnny's mind is gone and he is just technology. Right. Uh. So they throw him into a simulator. Oh, well, just before that, we uh, yeah, yeah, throw him into a simulator and mm-hmm. some weird things start happening. It, it, yep. it shows that he's still... This is the big action scene of this issue is that it's all in this virtual simulator. And we see yeah. all that cool Iliopolis uh, uh, sound effect lettering. and check a check a check a check a check yep. Dave Johnson just going nuts with the weaponry and just doing mm-hmm. his thing. But mm-hmm. uh, we get the weird thing happening where Johnny is visualizing Dragon... Yep. As his enemy. And mm-hmm. he doesn't want to hurt Dragon from their from their encounter back in issue three of the uh two issue two of the miniseries. Yeah, I'm a cop stupid. Yep. And so what has happened is Johnny appears to be like uh stopping himself from going too far. Because yeah, he, he freezes. Does, he freezes up and he doesn't want to hurt Dragon, so every time in the simulator Dragon shows up in his mind, Dragon punches him in half and basically yep. ends the simulation early. Yep. So all the scientists are worried that if you put him out in the field, he's going to freeze up because he's going to see Dragon or whatever he's seeing and yeah. freeze up. He's or at least become worthless. Yeah, he's going to be a worthless weapon. Yeah. But he still needs to be field tested, so they're going to send him out anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then they're going to use him as a retaliatory strike against his Covenant of the Sword organization. Yeah, for but, operating uh, so openly on U.S. Sword. So brazenly. But then we learn... Yeah. That one of the women who was on the con- the council that we saw earlier as part of mm-hmm. the, the U.S. government is also a covert member of the Covenant of the Sword, and all of this has been engineered by her, right, to embarrass the U.S. government or at least to uh, def- to uh, expose them as ineffective. It was to actually lure them into the next move, uh, you know, to to sort of like humiliate them slash lure them into another move. So, well, this uh, Covenant of the Sword scene, actually, we can if there's anything we want to say about the coloring here, because mm-hmm. it seems a bit different in this scene than previous scenes. Which Covenant of the Sword? Well, it, it no, it seems it seems very uh, muted until you get to like the yellows, and then the yellows get very bright. Uh, yeah. Well, when they're when they're sitting there, uh, okay. We've we've all seen that page with the Covenant of the Sword building and the limo. Right. Uh, Eric has recreated that numerous times. Um, oh, that's true. He does reuse that. Yeah, I was going to say I'm so stupid. I did not pick that up as a visual trope. That's yeah. a visually recurring trope. We we see that yes. back when there's um, a when few someone... that there's a, quite a few pages in this series that Eric reuses throughout. Don't we okay. see Don't we see that when Super Patriot and Dart try to infiltrate the Covenant of the Sword? Yes, in like issue seventy three or four. Yes, somewhere somewhere around there. Yes, yeah, you guys are beasts. That's awesome. Yep, I, I I didn't realize it until you mentioned it, but that that is that, that definitely was similar. No, it's identical. 
perfect. I'll have to check that out. It's absolutely identical. All of the storytelling, panel to panel, is exact. Mm -hmm. So that page is identical to a page in... and, and then you get into the next page where it's it, it's more <coughs> muted color, right? Because mm-hmm. you're subterranean again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and for me, it, it that you go so, from such vibrant color to m- such muted color, it, it, it it's hard to you're like what's going on. Uh, also, an hmm. interesting thing going on with the architecture. It's almost mm-hmm. like a church with the with the arch ceilings. Oh yeah, and the high. I'm sure that's intentional. Well, oh, yeah. yeah, and Eric tried to They're do that. Well, and Eric tried to recreate that when he had Dragon and uh, Dart as Super Patriot infiltrate the Covenant of the Sword, <clears throat> but it wasn't. You didn't get that same sense of architecture. You got mm. the same sense of scale, right? But not the same sense of architecture mm-hmm. in that All in right. that in that space. Um, you know, uh, it was interesting to see Eric's take on this, uh, the, the character that is more of a robotic. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw him. You're talking with, about the guy with the big ass body and the little like scorpion tail. Yeah, yes. And the, and okay. the, and the, um, claws, the, the one that, uh, had Malcolm originally as a child in the, the, right. the, the tube. Mm-hmm. So does he have a name? Are we dumbasses? I'm what? sure he's got a name. Uh, he's never named in the series. That's one little nitpick. Is I do kind of wish that like you know somebody, you know, it didn't even be like master or something like that. <laughs> like uh, I don't think anybody's really. I don't think anybody. There's it's a striking. I thought it, it was felt just like me. Not that... a lot of names. You thought um, it was what? Hmm. I don't feel like he's named. Maybe she I'm she thinking. asks, "Has the council convened?" And he says, "They're waiting on you." But we never see the council. We only see this one guy. I think it's the other bug man in the panel, dude. Oh, you mean the one, other ones floating? Oh, yeah. There are other guys floating. Yeah. 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 So I mean, that's the thing. I picked up on the council, but like this dude, he's I guess clearly the speaker. If he's not the leader, he's the speaker. But like. Yeah, no one's named. Is this chick named? I don't think she's named. I, that's what I. My, my next question was: Who's the chick? Well, well she's, she's she's definitely the senator from an earlier scene, right? And Which, by the way, I loved the way that felt like a dumb one-off joke, but it was actually a really brilliant way to like highlight her. Right, right. When he says, uh, "Ladies and uh, he says, uh, gentlemen. "Gentlemen, ahem, and ladies." Yeah, that felt like a dumb one-off joke. I was like, ugh. And then I read on, and I was like, oh, that's genius. Oh, so that's the only scene she appears in. I mean, the, pre, b- before she gets to her bungalow. Right. I'm I telling know, you. I like, guess she's never named. You're right. I, so many people are not named in this, dude. Yeah. Like Shaft and Die Hard and Johnny. Like, they're named. I guess the important ones are. But, like, I don't even think they call Data Man Data Man, do they? They do. I think they call Data Man Data Man, but, like, that might be it. Yeah, Shaft's like just talking to Dada Man. He's like, I don't need your attitude, Dada Man, or whatever. But like, I'm, I'm telling you, I, like so many of these other people, like the head of the Covenant of the Sword and like the blonde senator, I don't think they're named. Rockpile's named. <laughs> <laughs> so right. we, we should get into Rockpile in issue number two. 
Because Johnny well, gets to this island, and yeah. he's supposed to be there to fight the Covenant of the Sword as a retaliatory right. strike, but he runs into this big, uh, stony-looking guy, kind of a mm-hmm. kind of a big thing-looking guy. Yep. And of course, because he's big and strong, he's, Johnny starts seeing dragon in him, which right. causes him to freeze up, which leads us into issue number two. Before we jump into issue number two, can I please just take two seconds to praise, not praise, but say that uh, there's a really super fun little like uh, letter there at the end, like where before there's a letters page, because by the way, Stars and Gripes is a funny name for a letter column. But uh, I think it's an interesting snapshot where Eric is talking about, um, you know, all the labor that they suddenly picked up once they started working at Image. Like these retro fin casts, I'm sorry to like slow the roll, but like with letters pages, I'm gonna. There's some other letters that I think are just hilarious and great. But oh, like, do you do you have the print copy in front of you? I sure do. Yeah. You're the only one of us who does. You got to tell us oh. about the ads before we move on. After, oh yes, after <laughs> do this letter. Oh, absolutely. So this letter, the the beautiful thing is, is that he basically is talking about how they picked up so many more responsibilities when they moved from working at uh, Marvel and DC and stuff to moving to image. And it's just a great snapshot in time because Eric is like talking about like what a hassle it is and how it slowed down books. Right. And I was just like, Oh man, that's great. You know, uh, what a, what a great little sort of like, you know, time capsule of a sentiment, you know what I mean? But then he turns around and he's talking about like some of the other things and he's like assembling the team that made this book. Right. And he was like, assembling the team of this book has been one of the most satisfying experiences in my career. And he talks about like Keith Giffen and how he talked about what he wanted and, you know, uh, Lobo and the Justice League. And then uh, he talks about meeting Dave Johnson at San Diego convention. I assume San Diego Comic-Con. And then he says like it blew him away and he knew that he was like top of the list when he wanted to make this book. I was like, oh, dude. And then like, you know. He talks about Chris, of course, and like uh, even Digital a Chameleon, which he ties them to like Trencher and Lobo. Right. And so it's just kind of really awesome. That letter is really, really great. House ads are uh, also pretty cool on this one because you have uh, Freak Force coming soon. It's the one we all know. You right. know, the, oh, the one drawn by Eric. Yeah, Ricochet trademark, Barbaric trademark, Super Patriot trademark, that one. Then you got a an ad for Trencher making the world safe for whatever. Right. So awesome. It's that like, you know, super crazy drawn, like the one, you know, where he's like squatting and smoking. Yeah. Yep. And then you flip it. You got Vanguard is coming again. Another one we know like, uh, then you got one for, uh, images of Shadowhawk with Keith Giffen yep. and Alan Grant. Yep, that that one looks a lot like Trencher, so if you like Trencher, I, yeah, check yeah, that one out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that one's awesome. Um, also, real quick, sorry to bring the letter up one last time, but like uh, I had wondered previously on one of these shows who wrote some of the copy on the early image ads, and Eric uh, takes some of the credit for writing ad copy. He says, I write ad copy, solicitation copy. So if you liked things like, you know, it's too goddamn perfect and stuff like that, like that was actually probably Eric is what's funny. But uh, then it has, after the Shadowhawk thing, you have a sweet, basically like double page spread profit ad. 
So like it's like a you know little mini poster, which was the thing early image books were full of like posters and stuff. So here's this like pretty badass picture of Prophet in front of a bunch of fucking robots and stuff. It looks cool. And then he, like this all these like sweet ass old image ads. You've got a Topps presents Topps Trading Cards presents Sam Keith's Trading Card series. <laughs> you just got this really wicked ass picture of the Max. And it's like a 90-card series. It says this series includes more than 40 Keith originals created exclusively for Tops. By the way, FOMO, strong at work in the collector area. Uh, bonus, collect all four super premium etched foil chase cards. And then you have uh, Spawn 15 with Clown and Violator. It's black and white. And then on the very ass back, you got the cover to Super Patriot 2. So let's talk about that. Beautiful. Let's get into that Super Patriot second scintillating slugfest. Which was the copy on the ad. Yes, (laughs) I gathered. Right. So we get the back of this stony guy. What did you say his name was? It is Rockpile. Rockpile. But the really cool thing about this cover is that gun at the bottom of the page. Mm-hmm. Where you can see like the inside of the cover. I don't know. It's just it's a really cool gun. You know, um, talking about the gun, do you see where it says Kudzu Tech on the one tube up by Rockpile Shoulder Blade? I do now. So Kudzu Tech, I tried to find out what that was for this podcast. Yeah. Forgive me. Maybe Scott knows more than I do about this. Do you, Scott? Um, Do you know what Kudzu Tech is? I know what Kudzu is. No, I, but Kudzu Tech specifically, like why it would be there. No. All right, so here's what I could find. It was dodgy as shit. So, dear listeners, forgive me. I could hardly find anything at all about what the hell that was because it appears to, for the listener, just for the listeners out there who maybe don't have a copy or they're driving or whatever. We have a tube, there's many tubes in Super Patriot, but one of the many tubes, and a lot of the tubes have stuff written on them like 100 gigabytes or 200 gigabytes or something like that. Um, Then I started noticing a trend where some of the tubes say Kudzu Tech, and this tube in particular on the cover of Super Patriot 2 says Kudzu Tech and appears to have a Triforce from Legend of Zelda. Yeah. With leaves coming out of it, like holly leaves, right? Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So what Kudzu Tech was, as best as I could find, because there was almost, there was virtually no information, so I can't even take this really as the gospel, but apparently Kudzu Tech was internally Dave Johnson's um, own reference for this visual style of technology. Yeah, that makes sense, because kudzu is a form of vines, right? and his arms act like vines. Very tubular vines. Yes, very like, totally like, tubular. So it makes sense. So he, it makes sense he would call it kudzu tech. Um, and according to, <laughs> this is just, I, was, I couldn't find any other info on this anywhere, but there was a guy who actually owns a page from Super Patriot, this series. And he said that Kudzu Tech was a reference to Dave Johnson's Kudzu Tech Studios, which is what he called himself. I see. When he got started. 
And I even saw where another artist, a you know different artist, drawing a Marvel book, had written Kudzu Tech on some cyborg's eye that got knocked out by Venom as a reference to Dave Johnson, as a reference to this series. So, holy shit, deep, super deep cuts. But if you're reading this series, the Super Patriot series, and you're wondering, what the fuck is Kudzu Tech? Like, I thought it would be an Appleseed reference. Right. It, wa- it wasn't. Apparently, it was just his own, se- like, it was like a signature. I, I used to do that all the time, like, with RPGs and and. and artwork that i did for for role-playing games or collectible card games uh, yeah i would i would do little little tips of the hat for studio shit so well, i could john day it's a boom pal tacos yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah exactly it's a little nod so if you were wondering what kudzu tech is like there you go folks i did the homework for you uh, raven perez doing the heavy lifting so we got a few more credits on the credit page because there's flashbacks in this issue and they have different inkers for the different styles. Love yeah. it. Yeah, Ke- Kevin Nolan does oh. the 1990s. Kevin Nolan, inking. whenever Kevin Nolan inks somebody, it looks like Kevin Nolan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and even Dave Johnson looks like Kevin Nolan on these mm-hmm. pages, which, you know, is fine. I get it. Because when Eric Larson inks somebody, it a lot of times looks like Eric Larson. Um, so I really enjoyed seeing the different inkers on the on the flashbacks on these what pages. What a treat! Yeah, it was. I've, I've they, forgotten all about it. And they got so like they said, got, when I was flipping through, I was my mind was blown. I was like, yes. They got Dave Gibbons to do the nineteen sixty nine story. Yeah, and Dave dude. Gibbons is a treasure. Mm-hmm. And Carl Story is the 1941 section. Pulling in that Kirby section. Very oh, yeah. nice. Very Kirby section. Nice. Very yeah, Kirby and very Giffen. That that section's very Giffen. I don't know. Well, Giffen is a is very Kirby influenced. Uh, yes. For sure, but, yeah. But it's it felt like the page that looked more most like Giffen would do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Dave is channeling his inner Kirby and it just looks like that, or if maybe he followed. Uh, Keys layouts closer that time, but it, it it felt different. You could feel the difference in the different anchors. Oh it, yeah. Oh, and Josh Icorn's here. It's a bootlicking toady. Old bootlicking toady. <laughs> so good, dude. I love it. Yeah, this is uh, another absolute visual feast. I love uh, talking about experimental uh, coloring that I think is great. Um, color holds just so. If anybody doesn't know, sorry I have to talk. No idea. Sorry to talk Educate down if you. Me. Yes, <laughs> sorry to talk down if you already know, but it's when something that would be normally just solid black in ink, or you know, yeah, in ink form would be solid black, gets colored, and it's just solid color now. So those color hold trees in the background, yeah, that to me is very successful still. I really like the look of that. And well, it makes, it me, makes them look out of focus, like they're yes. like you get depth of field sort of yes. trick going on. Yeah, and I think that's awesome. And I also still think the uh, texture on the rocks is nice. So, absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. So, so good. And you get some of that texture on rock pile too. I don't. I don't like the gradients they use on his on his costume because mm-hmm. like the rocks are all flat colored, but the costume is like got gradients going on. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it works. 
where's the where, what gradients? Like the green in his costume, like how? Oh, I get it. Yeah, 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 I get you. I get you. I see what you're saying. It's kind of that uh, in the in the beginning of digital coloring, they did a lot of airbrush stuff. Again, yeah. Photoshop. Right. You didn't have a lot of tools. I don't even think it's Photoshop at this point. I think it's that format that no longer supported, and all these color files are lost forever. Oof. Format. I'm pretty sure that's why we've never seen this reprinted is because it's got the color files gone just like the early Dragon issues. Isn't it a heartbreaker that we never will be able to now, though? Because you want to spend thousands of dollars. Youngblood, dude. What the about, heavy, the what heavy about, Youngblood involvement. I don't, I don't understand what he's saying. You won't see it again in print because of Liefeld doesn't own... Oh, right. But I'm yeah. pretty sure Eric owns the reprint rights and i think that's ironclad oh okay because that was the deal he made with liefeld is that if he uses characters he can reprint it indefinitely oh and so those rights would transfer Transfer. when he gave up the rights oh okay cool yeah at least that was you know me not a lawyer would assume this is the case because i doubt eric would ever want to like use characters that he couldn't reprint I agree. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like a okay. nightmare, especially with all yeah, the, yeah. especially with all the early cameo stuff. Like, right. like you know, you can still buy the Savage Dragon miniseries with Bad Rock in it. Well, yeah, oh, okay. and, and I'm an idiot. Well, but and you've also got like uh, Wild Star, and now it's Soul Star. No, it's Wild Star again. Is it Wild Star? Is the coloring legitimately why this has never been collected? Well, that's why the early Savage Dragon issues have never been collected. Well, sorry, because I would just assume they were all colored in the same time frame. They'd all use the same software. I'm just saying, like, God, yeah, this a lot was series. lost. A lot was lost in in uh, file wise with the colors, if I remember correctly. Well, let, let me just ask you this, like, guys, like, to be a straight shooter, like, don't you think this shit would sell today? Probably. Well. They did reprint Liberty and Justice, so I assume that those color files are safe. Huh. All right. Well, I don't know. Like, I, like, I, I, I don't understand good. why you know there isn't why this stuff isn't in print. Myself, it's just right. It's just what it is. I guess it costs too much. Is what it always boils down to. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Well, because that... you, you put together a, you could probably put together a, a, a Super Patriot omnibus like stupid easy. Oh yeah, there's way there's and sell more than dozens, stuff. literally dozens, dozens. <laughs> oh my goodness, this fight is good. I like. Um, I always did think it was kind of funny to hear Rock Pile's sort of like anti-American sentiment. It's really like hilarious. This way he's like you know just shitting on and you know oh you you super you American superheroes you know <laughs> so good dude and. uh just to see that uh, he is a tiny baby inside all that is awesome. That's awesome as shit. I love it. I like how when Super Patriot punches him in the chest, mm-hmm. he uses his chest to rip his arm off. Yeah. Incorporate the metal. He, into he his, assemble, into his form. assimilates it. He, he absorbs yeah. it. And, and that's just brilliant on how Dave Johnson, uh, you know, incorporates that. You don't really fully see I mean you see Super Patriot punch and then him hold his arm I I almost wish that you would have seen uh, more of how that happens but well I'll tell you what it is it's a pretty slick sequential art trick in my book 
Because if you're just sort of like reading the left hand page and you look over, it just looks like he's punching him. Yeah, right. like he rips his chest off and punches that baby. Right. You get, but then you, when you, you go for a, mo- to read you, for a it, moment, you think that he's punched that baby so hard the baby's dead, but it's a <laughs> trick. Yeah, when you actually read it, that's words and pictures, baby. That's that's comics. Like that's like words and pictures stronger together. Like that's what I love. So to me, it's kind of like a, it's almost like a slick sequential art trick. That and then that splash page of him holding what's left of Super Patriot. With the arm in the right. foreground, he's just mm-hmm. a torso. Just a torso. You, you really get that feel that oh, he's really assimilated that into his his structure to heal himself. I mean, right. I I just thought that that was great, and I love the color holds on the ship yeah. in the background, yeah. pushing <laughs> that back. Dude, I'm sorry. This has to be early Photoshop. Look at those lens flares. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sorry dude you know Every it's not a party did. until we have a 90s lens flare 90s lens flare i'm sorry i'm calling this baby this is early photoshop oh it, we know it is you could tell by the hot pink and and the, you know in the first issue <laughs> this is just i'm just saying that's one of the one of the hottest visual effects that you could do back then was the lens flare? Yeah. Well, yeah. and and yeah, and that awesome. color hold. <laughs> yeah. Look at we got a color hold, and guess what? Let's let's pimp it out with a couple lens flares. I think that's a really successful color hold. Again, you talked about it earlier, but it pushes it in the background. Oh, it totally. Yeah, it creates a good atmosphere. Um, they, I think it is kind of neat the way the Covenant of the Sword doesn't just directly reference Dragon. They keep calling him that green-skinned Chicago cop. Yeah. Like, I like that, you know. Because, again, they kind of dragons new at this point. Um, so, so here's how you know this is a Keith Giffen comic. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing Keith Giffen loves, it's black panels with dialogue balloons in them. <laughs> okay. Well, let's be honest. Eric has used that numerous times as well. Has he? Oh, hell yeah. Well, let me just say this. On another podcast I moonlight on, we read... Uh, <gasps> Legion of Superheroes Traitor. during the, during the Keith Giffen era in the nineties, mm-hmm. and he loves black panels with dialogue balloons in him. <laughs> All right, think about what he's done with uh, okay, Eric with uh, after he, uh, the fiend throws him down into that chute. Right. Those are black panels or uh, the, yeah. the the chimney. Uh, yeah. You've got um, what's his name that. that from Johnny Redbeard, the guy that controls the minds. Um, oh, uh, mind, mind brain. No, uh, oh, I, uh, I can't remember his name. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, Not important. Keep moving. But he's he's. You start out with the black panels as he's like Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Hello, uh, my porn's off. What's going on, John? Oh, him. <laughs> that guy. Right, right, right. You, you know, you've got black panels. So Eric has done the black panels as well. It's, I mean, it's a great storytelling. Uh, it's a nice way to, to uh, you know, tell a story. And, you know, or, or a nice segue, I should say. I think there's great sequential art just all over the place in this because um, even like on the previous panel where, you know, uh, 
Super Patriots is on the ground and he's looking at Rockpile and Rockpile's body is very much Rockpile, but he's just got Dragon's head. Yeah. That's a nice little touch, dude. I like that. Which page are you on? Just the page before the one that we're on. The one before the black panels. No, it's not that page. Yeah. Before that. I'm looking at the print comic. That's, really? Unless it got rearranged for the digital one. I yeah, d- doubt the, it. Hold the on. top of the page has got the uh, guy yelling rock pile. And he goes, what, what? Just doing my job, Shermie. Shermie gets a name. But uh, then, like, you know, okay, let's get him out of here. And, you know, Super Patriot's head's on the ground. And he's looking and, you know, Rockpile has the dragon head. And then he laughs. It's been a blast. Ha, 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 ha. And then it fades to black on that panel. And then the next panel is four panels black, and you know, of war oh, bubbles. There might be a page missing here. Yeah, because I go and straight to Keith Giffen. Yeah, me I'm not, I mean, I, uh, uh, Kevin Nolan. Right. So wait a minute. You go. You guys go right from sigh. I suppose this means playtime's over. Yep. To four black panels. Uh yeah. Yep. So there's oh. a pa- there's a page missing. Weird. This yeah, is why but... our le- illegal downloads are not as good as the real thing, kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got. Uh, yeah, you're not missing too awful much. Like I said, just a nice little sequential art sequence of. It's funny because it leads into the four black panels. Like you have uh, this. It ends on a black panel. And it's, uh, yeah, like Super Patriot just thrown to the ground like trash. Huh. And uh, they tell him, they're like, you're supposed to subdue him, not dismantle him. And he goes, so sue me, I'm an overachiever. Okay, let's get him out of here. You see Super Patriot's head on the ground looking. He's looking from the ground at Rockpile. Rockpile has, like, is mostly in silhouette. You can see his body is Rockpile's, but his head is Savage Dragon's. And then he zooms in, and it's like, savage dragon's face and he's like bye bye hero it's been a blast ha 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 and it's black and then it leads into the four black panels where it's like you know it ends the last page let me make sure we're on the same four black panels hold it right there old school superhero super patriot busting through a window right yep that's what we see next yep yeah you missing a page no big deal no big deal and this is cool because this is the uh the fight between super patriot mako uh hellraiser and what's his face well, yeah, the, uh, the only problem I have is that Mako looks like a fucking rabid dolphin. <laughs> oh, shame on you. Uh, Mako uh, looks fine. No, he doesn't. You, you, no, I, I see what he's saying. Um, You've got Super Patriot doing, like, high kicks in, in a Vegas act, uh, kicking. Oh. Uh, kicking There's Mako. nothing wrong with that kick. Really? <laughs> yeah, I can I can see kind of how awkward it is. That kick's fine, and and, and he looks him. like you know. Have you guys ever seen the movie One Crazy Summer with the rabid dolphin? No, yes, that's the rabid dolphin from One Crazy Summer. Uh, yeah. Well, well, this is this is back when Mako had tubes, and the tubes never looked good on Mako. And I'm just looking well, at the I'm looking that. at the eye and how the teeth are and. He could use a few more teeth. It, it just doesn't. He doesn't look shark-like. He looks like a a, 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 a porpoise. You know. I won't. I won't disagree that it's not the best Mako. Let us remember that this is nineteen. <laughs> Let us not forget. Let us remember. No, no. This is actually important. Let us remember that this is nineteen ninety-three, and it is not as easy to Google image search. Google doesn't exist. 
So even search engines don't have an image search function. It's just pretty much you're searching words and you're get, looking get for websites. Get your zoo books. Yeah, if you were going to search for, if you want to see a picture of a shark, you better fucking hope there's a website with a picture of a shark on it. Or you can just go to the library, Raven. I mean, listen, dude. If just go to the library allowed you to keep your deadlines, then they're, believe me, I'm telling you, trust me, trust me. There's a reason why teenagers on Twitter are making art that is better than guys that were in their fucking 40s and 50s back then. It's because having more information at your disposal makes you a better artist. I'm just saying, shit on this shark man if you wanted. I think he's a product of his time. I think somebody drew a shark from their fucking imagination or from a movie. That's all I'm saying. You didn't have the ability to Google image search a shark's mouth, guys. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Because if you'll notice, look how on point, like, the fucking superhero aspect of it is. Like, how badass is, like, that is, that's not Killraiser. Well, I... Cutthroat, that's Cutthroat. No, that's not Cutthroat, that's Hellraiser. Hellraiser, I'm still distracted by the kick. (laughs) That, it looks like his leg has been, like, snapped off and vertical. And the calf is... Scott James, you are the worst. I, I, no, I I agree. It's I'm not an artist, and I can tell that leg is not an anatomically anything. It's exaggerated for a. It's not fan. even exaggerated. I mean, it's it's also really tall. Look at the size of the calf long. compared to the head. Where is his ass, Raven? Tell me where his ass is. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm just saying that. Apparently, I'm an insensitive son of a bitch. It doesn't matter. It's going to get eaten by Mako in a second anyway. (laughs) There you go. I didn't realize. I thought he just had his limbs cut off, but apparently a lot of his chest got removed, too, because he's got all kind of, like, body armor under there. Yeah, he got mauled. Yeah, pretty bad. But then we get to the uh, Dave Gibbons section with with the 60s team. Yeah, we get Battle to see. Tank. Well, we get to meet. This is all for for the first appearance of Battle Tank, who really wouldn't appear again until well into like the nineties. I mean, uh, issue nineties of Savage Dragon when he came back as, and his Battle Tank armor was a lot different than we see. A lot here. cooler. Yeah, a lot more, a lot more classic. Here, it's like a lot more like over designed. Yeah, it looks more like a cockroach. Yeah, yeah. the little antennas I'm not loving, but I still think this has a cool charm. But yeah, he looks better in Dragon, of course. I love how how long-haired and hippie Super Patriot's gotten in this era, because this is is his, uh, I hate, I mean, this is the I reject the the, the, the hippie government. Yeah, the hippie Patriot. It was Nom, dude. He didn't support Nom. He was on the right side of history. And Battle Tank and Big Man are not... Not impressed by his his turning into a pinko kami. Yeah, I love the. It's so hilarious. This is again to me. Well, you can't really say that this series isn't about Johnny, because it's like yes, yes, he's silent, he's a weapon, but you're very much like this is his like he's right now like these flashbacks. He's right now in a lab fighting for his humanity. Right. He's remembering his past. Like, he's trying to remember who he was. And, and this page, the coloring on this these pages are really cool because it's way old school and it, like, really yeah. emphasizes the uh, the uh, four-color dot sort of look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's great. These look excellent. These look fantastic. I think the coloring is better on them than on the Kirby section. I don't know if I love the coloring on the Kirby section. No, the Kirby section coloring is is a little too poppy. I think I, yeah. I think if Eric had done this in the modern age, he would have gone full on like off center. Yeah, color. He would have oh, done yeah. a lot. Yeah. Oh, totally. Better. And I think that would have fit this perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I I do like the the inks. I do like the the story and the layout of it. Um, you're right. The color, I think, distracts from that. Where it's too bright. Yeah, it needs to be more faded. Yeah. yeah. If if it was more of what Eric has done in the past with that. Oh. Uh, but wait a minute. We got to remember though. We got to bring this back. I'm sorry. I keep bringing this up, but. Remember that Photoshop, Scott, it didn't have layer effects and shit like that back oh, then. Oh, that's right. Remember that even layers were an innovation? <laughs> this is true. Is that not incredible to even I think? Know. That, like, you, I know. And, and, oh well, and, you know, we look at it now, Raven, and we think about mm -hmm. what he's doing or what Eric has done with yeah. even, uh, I'm thinking of... Uh, Wait, how do you even digitally color without a multiply layer? I mean, you still can. I, I think oh, I'm wrong. Uh, like in '93, they must have had layers, but like you didn't have layer modes and settings. Uh, a like lot of them set used a layer to, to multiply. I, I believe a lot back then used to cut and remove. Like, yeah, cuts. 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 You would use the gradient tool. Yeah, and you would get rid of uh, areas too. I, I lasso. I just think of. What Eric has done in like flashbacks with uh, Dark Knight and mm -hmm. Super Patriot, and I think that that kind of coloring style would just kill this. Oh yeah! If they re-released this, that would be a must. Yeah, like an absolute must. And by the, the way, SS Dragon. <laughs> oh yeah, did it? You already you knew where I was going. Well, you mentioned the Frankenstein story thing, and that this whole sequence is a Frankenstein story. Absolutely, yeah. I'm telling you, he flips the switch, and the monster gets up, and it's fucking SS Dragon. At it's least cool, in dude. Johnny's mind. I'm telling you, that's some highfalutin shit. Okay, I get it. It's hoity-toity and it's fartsy-artsy. But it's kind of like if you want to think of it, just I'm sorry, join me on this heartsy fartsy, like real quick. Like he, the whole time he keeps facing a hero and he freezes. And then when he's, he's like trying to find his humanity, it's like, dude, you like at the end, or well, at the end, I, w I don't want to spoil it, but it's like, yeah, like you're a hero. Like, you know, come on, dude. Like you're Johnny, you're Johnny, you're human, you know, come on. You're not a weapon. You're not a weapon. And like I'm telling you, dude, the parallel. You're Johnny here. human, man. You're Johnny human. <laughs> So, yeah, it's good. I will say, don't you guys think it looks like there's some kind of weird stuff going on with the computer screen? Something felt a little weird. Like, Super Patriot looks weird in that tube. Well, he's all busted up, but these uh, these these uh, memories he's been having is causing a feedback loop. No, I meant artistically. I mean, oh, you're oh, talking... Yeah, it's it's like digital. It's like... Yeah, well, it's weird like, and digital. Doesn't he look pixelated compared to everything else? Very much so. Yeah, it's weird. It look like look how sharp the dude drawn just to his left looks compared to him. It's kind of a little weird. Yeah, I don't know. 
but yeah, we're talking but, about the lab scene after uh, the last right. flashback section. Yeah, I.e. shut it down, shut it there, down. There's a lot of weird transitions, especially with the colors, but I think that has a lot to do with what they were doing color-wise and trying. And, and it makes me wonder, how many people did you have coloring this? Were they all assigned a certain page, especially, is page count especially, if you're dealing with different artistic styles? You know, oh, you're going to do this. Let's see. Hold on. We got, let me take a look at something. We got Laverne credited in this one. Um, is Shirley. Yeah, Laverne did the other one, yeah. <laughs> Shlomil Shlomazel, right. I knew you were going to go yeah. for it. <laughs> We're Squiggy. <laughs> Lenny and Squiggy as well. Wait a By minute. By the way, Jim, these guys absolutely are the council, because if you look at the panel where the senator is talking to the the speaker, once again, I guess, of the council, there's two more dudes just like him in the background. Okay. So they've yep. got to be the council. Like, there's all those floating dudes. Yep. Can you imagine choosing to be that fucking thing? I'm just, I'm sorry. Can you... Can Don't you, you want to be a higher life form? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? I'm just saying. All you, you gotta imagine? do is cut your dick off. I was just thinking, I'm sorry. No, I, 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 I think I like... Yeah, no. Having fucking legs? <laughs> no, I like... I, 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 I like coitus. <laughs> I, I, it just looks like these guys couldn't fucking exist outside of that tube. That's all. No. Like, it looks like they have pretty much gone whole hog on just being in that little chamber. I, I don't know. Maybe those things can fly. Maybe I'm let me gently Let me gently touch you with my uh, iron spike. <laughs> you, you know... <laughs> Let me caress you, Senator. Yeah. Mm. I think those might be holograms. Those light tubes. They may not actually be in the room. I think they're in the room. That's just me. I'm a little confused. There's a story thing. A story beat I, that confuses my brain. Just okay. a bit. Help, hip, hip help me out. It. I'll explain it to you. <laughs> yeah, help me out, fellas. I'm, I'm a little hurt here. Or not hurt, but confused. So, the senator tells the lead of the council that she has a great idea, that she's going to, you know, delete the trauma. So, she's going to get rid of that savage, that pesky savage dragon problem, uh-huh. which, as, which, as we know, story-wise, is actually Johnny's fight to regain his humanity. Right. And then, uh, he goes, what do you suggest? And then, like, it's kind of like, when we flip over, we see... Uh, this cat talking to the head of like the government there. And he's like, Oh, sigh, a worldwide override their message broadcast on every frequency. What a disaster, right? They're broadcasting the images of, uh, Johnny versus, uh, rock pile getting beaten up to get his ass beat. Okay. Cause he's, he's all dressed. He's all decked out in the American okay. flag. So it embarrasses the United States government to have their hero get his ass kicked. Got it. Get it. I didn't realize that. Okay. I'm stupid. Yep, that makes no, that makes nothing but sense. That was literally but their whole. That's thing. only part one. Part two is sending Johnny to kill all these fools. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I just totally. I was like, I saw the four panels of him getting beat, but I thought he was just watching Johnny get beat. But then he's like, Yeah, they're broadcasting. I get it, dude. Okay. I'm stupid. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's good to talk these over with people. Right, By so the way, they give this guy a name. They say <laughs> who he is. He's with Bloodstrike. Oh, yeah, he's a member of Bloodstrike. Yeah. I don't recognize him. Didn't they say Cabot? 
Is it Cabot? Am I? Oh, wait. Oh, Sentinel. Oh, it's Sentinel. okay. Yeah, I didn't think it was Cabot. Cabot's Cabot. I think shows up later. Yeah, he's Sentinel. Sentinel. Okay. By the way, keeping up the Frankenstein motif, we see uh, Super Patriot at the end of this again on an on yet another operating table, getting rebuilt, getting rebuilt with even more canisters. And he's got the Covenant of the Sword uh, logo on his uh, chest. So that's a lead-in for the next one. Yep, next issue, Return to Sender, <laughs> which we will talk about on the next episode. But before then, oh yeah, is there Listen, any letters on here you care to talk about? There is. Uh, hold on here. So the letters section is largely just, you know, kind of fluffy-wuffy. There is one thing to note. Uh, legendary letter hack Olaf Beamer weighs in. So that's a name that, uh, thanks to Michelle Fife, like is more on my radar. Like seeing his letters, like from all these years, seventeen years ago, his letters, and so he's writing in. So Olaf makes an appearance in the letter section, but for the most part, you know, people are pleased. Um, there's some, there's a really hilarious. There's two hilarious ones in the next two issues. So I'll be sure to talk about that. But for the most part, people are uh, stoked and they're happy. And they're just sort of like, you know, talking about how much they dig it. And, um, yeah, he's just talking about like Vic Bridges. There's nothing especially mind blowing to like pull out of here. Um, the ads, I'll just jump right into that. Get those oh, ads. Well, yeah, the ads, once again, Freak Force coming soon. Once again, images of Shadowhawk. Once again, Vanguard. However, flip the script because we got the Max issue number five. So it's a beautiful image, the one of Max, like with the just ribbons exploding off of his back, and like Julie, sort of falling backwards towards the reader. Such a great image. And then once again, we have an ad for Spawn Fifteen. We've got another ad for Profit, but this is a single page where it says he's come to settle the score. And uh, this one is drawn by Chris Alexander and Rapmund. I don't know, but it's a guy doing his damnedest to look like Liefeld. Then you got to add for Trencher number zero. This ad you probably have in your mind. If you think for two seconds, you'll I, remember. I, I do, yes. Solid black. It says, fat chance of that ever happening. And then it says, but, you know, we're up to issue five. And Ex- still only a, Except you're not. <laughs> it says, we're up to issue five. Because there is still no issue a, five. Still only $1.95. Check us out. There are only four issues of Trencher plus a couple of crossovers. And then the back cover. Pure, another pure text ad. Just black with like the Savage Dragon fin. It says Eric Larson writes Savage Dragon 5. Poster insert by Adam Hughes. So it's a good one. It's classic. Like, so so absolutely that, great. That, any, any last thoughts about Super Patriot 1 and 2? Loving him. Loving him. Uh, the, the artwork is stellar. Uh, I even the knowing what they were dealing with color wise, uh, uh, you can forgive a lot knowing the era. Uh, yeah. It would be interesting to see what they would do color wise today. Oh yeah, uh, totally agree. I, I think there would be uh, uh, so many more textures, so many more things going on. Uh, I, but you you gotta love the 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 hot ass pink, uh, and and neon green palette. 
Yeah, I'm just going to say I think the art is uh, timeless. I think the art is timeless. It is. And it I is. think the colors are a product of their time, but I think they are a more charming. It's more... F- uh, uh, it's more f- win than it's more hit than miss. That's what I was trying to say. It's more hit than miss. It's a product of its time to be sure, but it's more hit than miss. And I think that you asked my opinion on just those two issues. I think that is fucking one of the greatest first issues in a mini series. Fucking put ever. Johnson on the map. Like, yeah. I think that that first issue will hook anybody. Well, and and I, I am a firm believer that, uh, this series put Dave Johnson on the map. If it wasn't for and this, I, think that, I, I don't think we would have the Dave Johnson that we have today. If he didn't do Super well, Patriot, sure. he would not have. He would not be where he's. Well, maybe he would be, but I feel this really escalated his his stature as an illustrator. I mean, he 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 was talented, but it was just a great showcase for what he could do. Storytelling-wise and artistically. I think that first issue was absolutely insane and perfect as a hook and uh, for a miniseries. And I think that second issue was strong as hell with all kinds of, like, with the four surprise guest flashback artists. And so, to me, one and two are strong as hell. I give them both. I give issue ten. I mean, I give issue number one a ten. I give issue number two like a nine point five. So, fucking, I, a. Could, I, I, I couldn't uh, agree more with your rating on that. I would say that you hit the pocket with the, that rating uh, right on the head. Rock on! Thanks, rock on, Jim. Your thoughts, dude? Oh, it's a great start to a classic miniseries. I'm glad I finally got around to it. Yeah. I would say must read for any Dragon fan, honestly. Oh, agreed. Must. Oh, yeah. This is one of those essential miniseries. It's not like yep. it's not like Wildstar, which is like ancillary at best. This yeah. is this is if you're reading Savage Dragon from the beginning, this is essential. Oh yeah, you got to. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Scott, for joining us, uh, filling in for Craig Bot. And uh, thank you, Jim. As always, it is absolutely incredible uh, always talking with you, Savage Dragon stuff. Uh, Thanks for helping us out, Scott. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Join us next time. We're going to do Super Patriot 3 and Super Patriot 4. Bring this bad boy to a conclusion. So thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We out. Thank you, guys.